Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? I'm pretty good. I We've got a couple of guests that I'm looking forward to visiting with today. Kaylee Mitchell at 1140. There will be a repurposing of that, too, just to let you know. Kind of an inside little track word. Has that been? Uh, it's been determined. Yes. I mean, out of I, our hands. I, I was think just, the one, the other one is far more reaching. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, good morning, John. I, good morning. I, I don't, uh, things, most things. I know it's it's my favorite line in a film. I don't I liked. I don't remember much about it other than Michelle Pfeiffer in frustration saying to John Malkovich in Dangerous Liaisons, "Stop saying that," <laughs> because he kept saying to her, "You need to go and report to Madam So and So that the, these things happened and they were beyond your control." <laughs> Just keep saying they were beyond your control, and that this happened and it was beyond my control. Beyond your stop saying that. She said to John Malkovich, and I got it because he was telling her to say that a lot. He's but a, I'm saying today that things are beyond our control and beyond my control about what we do with that. Then stop okay? saying that. <laughs> I only like uh, funny John Malkovich in Red and Red 2. No, Malkovich is very funny. Have and you seen good Red actor. and Red 2? I saw the original Red, did not see 2. 2 is very, as good as okay. 1. I saw two football games yesterday. Though. So did I. Did you watch them all? Virtually, yes. Good. There was a stretch of time. I went to the, by the way, we're going to talk with Kaylee Mitchell at 1140. Shattered a record. Yes. I mean, really shattered it. I mean, that's a true shattering of a record. Yeah. 23, 20 seconds worth in setting the new record in the 3,000 meters, a record that a, a former guest on the Joe Beaver Show, Juliana Mount, had set in 2019. Haley Mitchell, Sprague High School, at one time in Astoria, moved after her sophomore year from uh, Astoria to Salem and went to Sprague and went D2 and then went into the portal and chose Oregon State over an offer from a program down the road. Really? That's, and we've talked to Kaylee about it before, but we'll revisit some of these things with her at 1140. At 12.05, uh, Jennifer Mountain. I did not get to hear her work with Rich Burke. I met her briefly Friday night in attending the Oregon State-USC women's basketball mm-hmm. game at Gill Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And one of those things that uh, I I didn't, I did presume, I guess. I, I asked. I didn't presume because I asked. I didn't just show up and sit down in a particular place. There's a, there's a, a among the many great parables in the New Testament, there is one suggesting that when you go to a certain place take take a lower seat take don't take the the most prominent seat when you go i think in this case he may have been speaking of the synagogue i'm not sure exactly i don't remember the parable directly but something to the effect of when you go somewhere take a lower seat don't just immediately go to the best seat take a lower seat and then Somebody may see you and come and grab you mm-hmm. and and then put you in a better seat, and then the outcome is, and then you'll have praise amongst the people. <laughs> the shrewdness of the parables and the reality of human that. living conditions are, are tremendous, by the way. But take the lower seat, and yeah. you might of course. be, hey, what are you doing over there? Come over here. Yeah, sit down just, here. Don't just assume you're the star, and you're going to go sit down. So. I, I enjoyed where I sat. I got there just after uh, the while the national uh, anthem was just finishing, and I'm told I missed a delightful performance by a young girl that Ron Callen ended up putting on 
briefly, I think, on the postgame show Friday night or somewhere, maybe at halftime, I'm not sure. But if you were there and heard this young girl perform the national anthem, feel free to share your thoughts about her. I heard it was great. I got there, parked, walked. Like little kid? Yes, a young yeah. person, I think maybe 10 years old, maybe younger Aww. than that. I, I can't remember exactly what Ron told me, but took a seat near the OSU band in the end zone section. I love the end zone view of, yeah. of basketball, you know, of all sports. I always really. go there when I'm watching games. But then I did see and watch the first half, watched the team and the Beavers. And by the way, Jennifer Mountain, 1205, who worked the game with Rich yeah. Burke. And we'll get her thoughts. Her yeah, okay. It was good. good. I'm glad to hear it. I've never heard Usually her. Usually when, when someone's green, the timing is the problem. Um, she and Rich had a good chemistry in there. Yeah, and yeah. everything she said was, you know, spot on. It was, mm-hmm. it was just like she'd always been doing it, just never really heard of her. She's done games uh, in other conferences. She's been a head coach uh, at the Division One level. So, I mean, her she has the right credentials, so to speak. But I've never heard of her, to be honest with you, or heard her at yeah, all. same here. So if any of you in Beaver Nation watched the game rather than attended and said, yeah, well, I liked her. She was, she was pinch hitting for Elise Woodward, who told us on this show that she was going to attend her son's uh, senior night basketball. She is a senior. Yes, he, who's going to be pitching for Lindsey Meggs, our hero, at the University of Washington. Wow. Anyhow, Jennifer Mountain at 12.05, Kaylee Mitchell at 1140. But I watched from the end zone in the first half, and throughout much of the game, I I was really proud of the way the women's basketball team won that game Friday, John, because it was a, it was they they slogged and slugged and fought their Mm -hmm. way through a kind of a poor shooting night, and even dealing with a USC team that, as almost always in that matchup, appeared to be longer, quicker, more athletic. And it just was a tough matchup, Mm -hmm. but the Beavers made enough plays and the revelation that was now have the, have the awards been announced the PAC 12 Uh, because, because Talia Von Olhoffen should win the PAC 12 women's basketball player of the week. That's, that's my argument. (laughs) I don't think 31 and 21, 31 against USC 21 yesterday. But by Talia, by Talia's great performance, and then 17 in the fourth quarter, the Beavers down 42-32, dug that thing out. I was so impressed with the win Friday night. And impressed with the way they played zone. I know Coach Ruick, and he shared at times with us on this show about how at George Fox and even here, Mm -hmm. like many coaches, a firm believer that man-to-man is the right way to play, player-to-player. You, know, player you That's just sort of the way God intended it. This is how you play <laughs> right. defense. You and I both. And I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of and believer yeah. in good man-to-man is the best defense because if you can do that, you can do anything else yeah. because it all – good man-to-man is essentially a zone when you're not playing the ball. So to me, you can do both if you play good man. If right. you teach it right and it's fundamentally taught and no one does that better than Scott and his staff, you're going to be a good defensive team. But there are times, even when Scott and others will surrender, and yeah, we had to play zone. No, they've actually, and he's played much more zone over the years and mixed it in. Mm-hmm. And they went to the zone in the first half and began to slow USC down. 
there were some matchup problems in that game, and the Beavers were at the losing end of them, just in terms of some one-on-one things were yeah, happening. Yeah. And the zone really played effectively. It did. Helped slow them and curtail them and bring them back. And I think he played it almost the entire second half. I don't remember a, a, a possession of man. It was the 2-3 zone through most of the half, allowed them to come back from 10 down, force overtime. Kennedy Brown with an exciting play to win it. But the whole point being, I saw an open seat courtside as I was sitting in the end zone. I saw an open seat. It would have been better had the parable been fulfilled in my own life and someone would have walked up to me, hey, you, come on down here to the better seat. I actually, during the halftime break, walked over, saw Vicki Maxson, said, Vicki, I noticed that seat's empty. Is it going to be empty for the second half? She said, absolutely for you it is. Sit down. Let's go. So I got to see the second half at a courtside seat and watching a basketball game from courtside, Doc, yeah. as a fan, as opposed to working and right. you know dealing with all the cards well, and the notes and, and, and the all table, that. The table, you got yeah. that. Yeah, the table in front of you. I mean, that just is that's a, nothing in front of you. A real pleasure. It really and it is. was really fun to watch the team dig that game out. I really got to exciting. do that at the uh, Moda Center for um, Oregon State, Texas A&M. One holiday season mm-hmm. a few years ago. Yeah, I remember seeing you. That was so much fun. You and Matthew. Yeah, and Kim, we were dating at the time, and, and uh, Matthew, mm-hmm. and I think, was Matthew and Miranda there? I think Miranda might have been there, too, <laughs> yeah. But I remember being happy for you to get it to experience the game that To way. just not have work, to be that close, and, you know, we're, we're close all the time. Yeah. But just to be that close and... Oh man, that was fun. Yeah, it's a, it's it's really nice. So I'm grateful for that experience. Thankful to Vicky for having an open seat, uh, and we had a good time talking about the team. She comes to all the games. One of the biggest fans and boosters, yeah. and I oh, loved yeah. the game. I didn't go yesterday only because we had a previous commitment to a family gathering and dinner for the mm-hmm. two championship games. And I, when when that's offered and you have a chance to do that, I I made that choice to do. What otherwise would have gone to yesterday's right. game too. Followed it on my phone surreptitiously and then listened to most of the fourth quarter with Ron as I took a break right. from the football game uh, between games kind of and drove from one place to another, took care of some animals of ours in that interim period and got to listen to almost the entire fourth quarter as the Beavers pulled away from pulled a close away. game yeah. to win by 14 and get the weekend sweep of the L.A. schools. So, Today, as we go into the Joe Beaver Show, if you have some thoughts about the games, the National Anthem Singer on Friday, (laughs) I heard it was delightful. If you want to talk about that, the two wins, if you attended both, we'd love to get your thoughts on that, on this, the Joe Beaver Show, at 497-5356, or the Downward Dog, uh, that's the Downward Dog phone line, the University Honda text line, 541-497-5356. Five three five six. As I speak these words and encourage you to join us, I look across through the plexiglass here in our twelve forty Joe Radio Studios. And John, your jaw just dropped in some almost astonishment. What's going on? The girl was six. Six. Okay, that's it. So somebody texted you and said that. Like three people. I did. thought it was six or ten. I that's couldn't amazing. remember. How many six year olds can do that? And are you getting confirmation that yeah. it was delightful, that it yeah. was really good? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm sorry that I missed Six it. Six years old. Sweet. Good for her. Man. That's, a, that's impressive. That's so talent. If you want to talk about the wins, the game, the performance, the anthem, anything else, uh, 497 
Uh, Ron, I know, enjoyed. It was an alumni weekend, and Ron enjoyed. I watched him have Ali Gibson on with him and then Colby Oram on with him. Uh, if you heard, if you were listening to Ron, and hey, yeah, there's a future for both as analysts. Feel free to jump in with your <laughs> thoughts on how they did, how Rich and Jennifer working together did. If you watched it on television, Jennifer will join us at 12.05. But there were two football games yesterday, and yeah. we do want to hear you out if you have perspective on either or both. Your rooting interests involved. We've got a Super Bowl matchup in Super Bowl 56. To let you know, we've reached out. Are reaching out through the official channels and otherwise for Johnny Hecker and Eric Yarber, two uh, players, uh, two people with the Rams with connections to and Oregon State, we and Yarbs, we'll try. If we get Yarber, that that fulfills yes, our, it does. Our street. and certainly Johnny too. And I yeah. think we we're going to make a sincere effort with Johnny. He used to come on a little bit more regularly. It's not as though it's a. Oh, I, I've outgrown those jokers. I don't think Johnny looks at it that way. I just think it's been a matter of I think he used schedule. to have his own show in St. Louis. Yeah, so we're hopeful to yeah. get either or both on in the run-up, the lead-up to Super Bowl 56. It might be a little bit easier for both of them in that there isn't, you know, it's not as though they're gathering up to travel to the Super Bowl That's site. Right. That's right. That's right. It might be easier, therefore, to to find both of them with a little more time at yeah. some yeah, great games yesterday. Not quite the same dramatics, although the Cincinnati game, the AFC Championship game, had had last week's uh, you know um, drama to it. Um, the second game, a little bit down seventeen to seven, and then they come back. Um, you know, I'm watching that game. I'm not sold. You know how I just raved about how great that stadium is and fun and everything, and it is, it is. But the din of it, of of the sound on the TV. I'm I'm kind of having second thoughts on it, thinking of that and maybe other domes, although I don't remember some of the other domes I've been in. AT&T Stadium and the Kingdome, I think, are the only two domes I've, I've ever been in. I don't remember them being as echo chamber as SoFi is. Mm. It's mm-hmm. just a big echo chamber. I'm not liking that. I'm kind of thinking, nope, I like the old-fashioned outdoor stuff just for the acoustics, the look, the smell, and all of that with grass and everything. But I don't know. That was just a weird observation I had while watching that game. But, um, you know, great, great atmosphere and, and great play. And I was conflicted because I, I wanted Talanoa to get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also have several buddies who are like real longtime Rams fans. And, you know, my son living down in that area, I, it was I was a little conflicted. And then the coolness of it. Being in SoFi with the Rams being there, Johnny right. Hecker. Sure. I didn't know Yarbs was yeah. there. I didn't even know he was on that staff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there were conflicts. Both games featured impressive comebacks. Yeah. And that's that's always sort of intriguing to watch. The Here is as we go into break, and we'd love to get some comment if you have time on the Downward Dog phone line or text line on the NFL games, and we'll have some more opportunities later. It's it's a point of view, I guess. And I'll just say, I love Jim Rome. I think Rome's the king of sports talk radio, with apologies to Chris Mad Dog Russo. I think Rome's invented a kingdom in sports, and it is predicated on smack, so therefore I shouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised that his opening angle today disappointed me. But maybe it's the way we should, or the way we do, or feel about at the end of games, we we usually lean more toward assigning blame than giving praise to those that found a way to win. That's just sort of 
Uh, is it our nature, I guess? I, I, I don't know. But it's Romy not my opened, way. But Romy opened today does. with Mahomes' joke. That no. was his open. Instead of Burrow came through. Yeah, and, and the D coordinator, whatever his name is, I'd never heard of him until yesterday. The Cincinnati Bengals D coordinator who looked like he had, and that defense had no answers. Yeah. Three possessions, three touchdowns, and I thought this is this is going to be wholly uninteresting That's if this keeps happening. That's what I thought. Then I thought the hubris, the lack of management, the whatever, well, we can score touchdowns anytime we want. So we didn't get the three points there at the end of the half. No big deal. And I thought, and Tony Romo was astute to say, <laughs> you know, they don't want to be kicking themselves later for not getting sure points out of that last drive. Right. And it did call. I mean, that game, the complexion changes, not utterly, but if they are leading 24 to three, it's different, a little bit different. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't like that 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 the game has gotten because of these last few years and these last few weeks and how easily they score. That right. They get to that point. Maybe they learned a lesson and it'll go back to just a reset of no, you get points no matter what you got to do. You that's what you choose. Mahomes' execution on that last play in the half wasn't good, yeah. and his execution in the second half, I suppose, wasn't good. But to to open for you know for Jim and I, I get it. Maybe that's how fans are. That's how we feel. Well, his scramble style was such that yeah. he would go yep. into the pocket, then come back out, and then go back in, then come back out. That worked in the first half. Yep. But in the second half, Cincinnati did a really good job. In fact, there was a blitz by one guy. They showed him, and he was so far mm-hmm. back. And he finally, after after Mahomes had so much time, and this was towards the end of the game, came blitzing in. This was uh, the end of regulation. And did a really good job of not being faked out. Because as he's running right at him, Mahomes was making a move left, and then the guy, he just did a good job of not overcommitting and staying square, and then eventually he got to him and sacked uh, Mahomes and, and took him out of the field goal range that eventually they did get the field goal to, to, to force the overtime. Right. But it was, it made it a lot dicier. No, and it, it didn't put him behind. Right. You know, you're, I mean, it, just overtime and, and you're... It took him out of it, being able to score, it, going for a touchdown. Exactly. And... And so to all of that, I wonder, I think it's, I think it's pronounced Anarumo. I, I've never really even heard of the guy, right, to be honest right. with you. I don't follow the NFL closely, certainly not Cincinnati Bengals football at all. But I think the D coordinator is a guy named Lou Anarumo. And his job was in jeopardy at the end of last year. And, oh, we'll bring him back. <laughs> well, he had a good year this year. And that defensive adjustment, whatever it was they did from the point Four first-half drives, three touchdowns, and one that ended at the one-yard line. <laughs> and it was a transformation at halftime, whatever happened. you could, And I suppose it's easy to say, well, yeah, go with Romy and, and the rest of the world and trying to affix blame and assign blame rather than credit the victor for what they did to get victory. I mean, maybe it's just our nature. and Maybe as a KC fan or just a fan of football in general, that's just how it works. And that's how sports talk radio works. You jump on and assign blame. Okay. And maybe that's the right, because I know in my heart too, the 49er game, whoever number three is, what's his last name? I feel bad for that kid because he had an interception. And if he makes it, that doesn't mean the Niners win, but they're in good shape to win. Still ahead and with the ball in good field. Yeah. I texted a friend this morning and he's a big Niner fan. I said, sorry about the loss. He said, just needed that interception and that would have sealed it. Right. And his his number is three. I don't even know Jar, Jarks, Jack. Uh, I, I I don't know his name. 
It yeah. starts with a J. And I'd never heard and, of him before. No, I hadn't like either. Jacquis. Yeah, I, I don't know the guy. Right. But I know today that poor guy is in misery. <laughs> He's in utter misery. Yeah. And as if you're a 49er fan, is that where you start? And I know we all watching the game said, oh, if he only, that guy's got to feel horrible. And I think a, a teammate was over. Maybe Aaron, uh, somebody was coming oh. over to talk about, uh, was talking to him, trying to pump him up and tell him, hey, <laughs> shake it off. You're going to be okay. We're right. going to be all right. They showed that on the television set. So as we go to break, if you have any thoughts about just the whole realm, the angle, the angles that we take at the end of these close, competitive, cutthroat, gut-punch type games, do you start with Mahomes and his futility and Romy saying he choked? Do you start with a guy named Lou Anarumo and a Bengal defense that turned it around? If you have any thoughts about the NFL games, the women's basketball weekend, anything else you want to jump in with, 497 5356 1240 Joe Radio. Middleton Heating has kept Mid-Valley residents comfortable for over 72 years. Middleton can service, repair, or replace all types of brands of heating and cooling equipment. Plus, they offer financing options on new equipment and also participate in state and federal incentive programs. If your heating unit is giving you trouble, if you have kitchen or dryer venting needs, or if you're just looking for some sheet metal, Call Middleton Heating today. You can count on Middleton Heating for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Find them online at middletonheating.net. Independent Auto Works has been servicing and repairing Volkswagens for over 50 years. They're experts on Jettas, Passats, Nuno Beetles, Golfs, PDIs, Eurovans, and Vanagans. And they work on most other makes and models, too. They're on 13th Street near the OSU campus in Corvallis. Independent Auto Works, the guys you can trust. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. The Whirlpool four-door refrigerator keeps groceries in sight and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon. Serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. When you need them, your local volunteer fire department routinely answers the call. Whether it be a fire, traffic accident, or a cat stuck in a tree, there is always someone there for you. PSA free zone. It is. It is. Okay, it's an important it's, message. It's a but free we, zone. We hear them. We'll often. hear them a hundred times. Yes, we will today. We want to get to Chris and Dave here in a moment. Chris, I believe, is our self-identified longtime Keysar Stadium 49er fan. He we is. watched yesterday and may want to talk to us about Jaquiski Tart and blame the poor young man for. <laughs> I don't know how fans take. We all take losses. They're difficult to take, and we do, I think, want to assign or affix blame. Somehow it makes us feel better. 
But to open today on a national show as the great Jim Rome did and say Mahomes choke to me is just a little harsh, as they might say in Boston. That's I, a little harsh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go that way, and I also wouldn't blame Tart. No, it, I, I mean it's just it, it's one of those things. Yeah, it is. It happens all the time. The problem was it happened at the worst time, right. and his body, if the, when they showed it in slow motion, his body was moving backwards. Yep. When the ball hit his chest is when he should have caught it. And then as he was reaching his hands out, because his body was going he, backwards and the ball was going forward, it right. went uh, out. He had two reach. chances to catch it. Yeah. We know that. There's also the old rub that people are DBs and sa- or corners and safeties because they weren't quite good enough to be receivers. And a lot well, there are a lot true. of times where that they didn't have true. the hands for that. And we do see often, do we not? Corners, safety, and we, oh, it was right in his hands. Well, they, <laughs> but the thing is, they're not expecting it. So there's a half a second difference that makes it difficult to catch something that they're thinking in, that there's going to be there. In Jaquiski's case, now to affix and assign blame, because that's what we're all about. In his case, he had, it was almost like he was fair catching a punt. It was he had plenty of time to read guy. that thing. I feel, I feel bad, bad for, him. for him, too. Let's go to Chris, self identified longtime 49er <laughs> fan. Chris. Apologies, how you feeling today? What do you think? Well, it was uh, it was a tough loss, but I uh, I had to give credit to the Rams because I wasn't watching the same 49er defense that I've been watching. The Rams mm-hmm. converted 11 out of 18 third down attempts, and the defense couldn't get off the field. Yeah, yeah. that was that was one of my first thoughts, and. Unfortunately, being a fan, I yelled some obscenity at Quasi <laughs> Tart when he dropped the ball. Yeah, but uh, I was watching an interview with George Kittle, and he reminded people that at the Green Bay game, Quasi Tart ran about forty yards and caught the receiver at the end of the first half mm-hmm. before he got in for a touchdown, and subsequently the Niners blocked the field goal. So. Yeah. Um, mistakes are made, but that one hurt. It did hurt. So it's pronounced Jaquasi. Is that correct? That's the way I understand okay. it. Yes. Yeah. Well, a lot of people uh, know know the name now, unfortunately, for him. But I'm glad that George, in a long season, you don't get into a position to have a painful moment like that. Um, you're on that field for a reason, and it's clear that he's made a lot of plays. And I'm glad George. In the in the pain of the moment, it reminded people of of that great play in Green Bay. Yeah, true. Yeah, it and was. I thought that um, Cooper Cup deserves all the accolades that he's gotten. He played a great game, um, and it's just it was hard to watch because I knew my team was tired and beaten up, and they had been on the road four weeks in a row. I was hoping for a miracle, but it, it just didn't happen. Good football game, and thank you, Chris, for having a, a nice attitude about it. Uh, thanks for joining us today on the shows. It's been nice to meet you and hope to hear from you often as uh, as we go. Good to have you in the community. Okay. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure, too. Yeah, and, and well represented. They, again, had uh, oh my gosh, a lot of fans. No, there. a lot of fans. I don't know if it was 50-50, but it almost looked like it. It sounded like it, too. I mean, and, you know, some of those field goals yeah, and point afters, you see a lot of 49er fans. Huge sections of red. By the way, Cooper Cup. Oh my gosh! He, even guy. he dropped one, yeah, which tells you that even Homer nods. Right. Every once in a while, he. I mean, he dropped a surefire. I don't know. It was touchdown. Well, it was going to be a first down or something. Him. Yeah. 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 You can't. There's no guarantee. Now I know Dave. I don't know what Dave's school is when it comes to. We're going to go to Tumwater. I know that he 
He called us last week to say Aaron Rodgers, and, and essentially yeah, laying yeah. At, at Aaron Rodgers' feet when quarterbacks in the other great games were making plays and Aaron didn't. So so maybe Dave is more of the school of, yes, let's affix and assign blame rather than, <laughs> than dole out praise to the victors and how they found ways to win. So I'm not sure what angle Dave will take without a dog in the fight per se. Dave, good morning. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Actually, uh, Mike, I don't think it's. I think you can argue both. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt, but that Patrick Mahomes played significantly poorly, more poorly in the second half mm-hmm. than he did in the first half. Now, whether he choked or he got tight, uh, that, that's for other people to determine. But it's not an unreasonable assertion to make. But there's a certain commonality between his performance yesterday in Aaron Rodgers a week ago. And you've heard me say this before, and I stand by it. Both Rodgers and Mahomes are front runners. Doesn't make them bad people. Doesn't make them not historic quarterbacks. But when they're in a groove, they are really in a groove, and there's almost no stopping them. By analogy, Steph Curry from the three points. When those aren't dropping, Steph goes into a little bit of a funk. So this is this translates to other people, other other sports. Uh, in Mahomes' case, in Rogers' case, it was the fumble by his tight end. In Mahomes' case, it wasn't getting that fourth, that last touchdown in the first mm-hmm. half. And so I, I think it got into his head a little bit. But here's the larger point, guys. I think unless you are a quarter, the hardest Super Bowl to win is not your first, it's your second. Mm. And after you've won your first, then when you don't win your second, it begins to play with your mind. That's what's wrong with Rodgers. He has never to this day recovered from losing the NFC Championship game in an improbable fashion in Seattle mm-hmm. after the 2014 season. He has never recovered from that. And you could see, and, 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 and conversely, you've got a guy like Joe Burrow. Or or uh, or the or the Rams quarterback whose name escapes mm-hmm. me for, for some stupid reason Stafford. in the moment. These guys they're playing loose. They've never won. They've got nothing to lose. I, I love Burrow, and as I texted you guys yesterday, I, I'm actually now convinced Rodgers is staying in uh, in Green Bay because there are no there's there's no ready-made championship place for him to go to in the NFC, with the possible exception of San Francisco. But they've already got a guy, Trey Lawrence, to, to take Garoppolo's place. But Rodgers, if he looks at these playoffs and he sees Mahomes and, uh, and uh, the San Diego quarterback and Jared Allen and Joe Burrow and, the, and Baltimore, why go to that conference? So I think Rodgers... Is going to stay where he is, where he did, where he did. At the same token, when you've won, when you've won your second, I mean, look how fast and loose and, and unperturbable Tom Brady plays in very dire circumstances. That's because he's won six or seven. If he loses any one big game, like he, he's already got a pocket full of rings. So I think I, the key thing is having, as I repeat myself. Winning your second Super Bowl crown is because that's the benchmark of excellence. Yeah. You're not a you're not a you're not a you're not a breakthrough all timer immortal until you've won at least two Super Bowls, and that got that's why Rodgers it gets into his head. I think it's beginning to weigh on Mahomes. Lastly, Mike, 
to your point, which I thought you made brilliantly uh, in a private message to me, no team, the team that's kicked the most field goals in the postseason is Cincinnati. Hmm. I'm thinking that maybe hmm. the team that's kicked the second most field goals is the Rams. And this, this uh, metrics of going forward on fourth down, I just don't understand it. Take the three points. Go into halftime on a high yeah. rather than a low. Yeah. And, and these coaches, they just keep giving up opportunities one after another. But this is the Super Bowl. When what I was left after Green Bay was eliminated, this was the Super Bowl I was hoping forward, uh, look, hoping for, and now I'm looking forward to Dave, it. Dave, great to hear from you. We'll talk more as the week goes. I hope we've got a guest just around the corner. Thanks for the call, Dave. Trey Lance, it, it, it's such a tough sport yeah. that – the NBC Sports affiliate in the Bay Area begins their post-game story after yesterday's loss. The inevitable always becomes a reality eventually. Let's just say it like it is. The Jimmy Garoppolo era is over. The Trey Lance era officially began the moment the clock struck zero Sunday night in the Rams. In the 49ers loss to the Rams. It's a tough business, Doc. They really think Trey Lance is better than Jimmy well, Garoppolo? I, I th- I, Jimmy, Yes, they do. The ceiling, the, the long-term future, yes. But the future is now, according to NBC Sports Bay Area, for the Niners and the New Era, something we probably could have asked Chris about and will down the road as a longtime fan. We'll take a break and come back with the Kaylee Mitchell, a record setter in Seattle over the weekend for the Oregon State track and field team. That's coming up on 1240 Joe Radio. Showers or baths, which do you prefer? Hi, this is Katie with Albin's Plumbing. You deserve a bathroom that fits you, whether that be a walk-in shower or a luxurious soaker tub. Let Albin's Plumbing handle your bathroom remodel from beginning to end. Then all you have to do is turn on the water and relax. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albin's Plumbing. Have you seen Highland Bowl's expanded Strike Zone Lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks, too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games, too. Highland Bowl. It isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded Strike Zone Lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up. You knock them down. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that the one you care about is expecting a thoughtful gift this Valentine's Day and they're ready to help safely deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Valentine's Day flower arrangements and they'll safely deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time so you can show them just how special you'd like them to feel this February 14th. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of holiday arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925. Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. The Whirlpool four-door refrigerator keeps groceries in sight and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon, serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. Independent Auto Works has been servicing and repairing Volkswagens for over 50 years. They're experts on Jettas, Passats, Nuno Beetles, 
Golfs, PDIs, your vans, and Vanigans. And they work on most other makes and models, too. They're on 13th Street near the OSU campus in Corvallis. Independent Auto Works, the guys you can trust. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker, John Warren. A lot of things going on in Oregon State Athletics. We hope to hear from you along the way when we get into open phones on the basketball sweep for the women's basketball team. Four individual victories in wrestling and an excellent performance by the Oregon State wrestling team down in Tempe. And many other things to get to, including the NFL games and the championship games yesterday. But over the weekend, it wasn't lost upon Beaver Nation, I'm sure in many circles, and I was delighted to see this when I saw it pop through on my feed, that a person who has been kind enough to join us in the past on the Joe Beaver Show had shattered the Oregon State program record in the 3,000 as the Beavers were finishing competition at the UW Invitational in Seattle Saturday. Kaylee Mitchell broke the OSU record, and shattered's the right word, a time of 9.03.26 in the 3,000 meters. The previous mark set by Juliana Mount was 9.23.36 in 2019. And Kaylee Mitchell, fresh off that record-setting performance, rejoins us again here on the Joe Beaver Show. Kaylee, congratulations to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, just how you must have felt good. I don't know if you went into this. I'm going to set the OSU record today, but, boy, you certainly did. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much, and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I mean, both Grace and I wanted to run under 9.15 for this race, so it was, like, on our mind that would be part of it. Um but it wasn't my like motivator to like break the school record. It just happened to be something that like happened along the way, which was also fun. Yeah. And Grace runs nine Oh six, eight six. So if you don't break it, she does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, exactly. I mean, we both broke it. (laughs) Right. It's like super fun to have both you and your teammate run fast together. It makes running so much more fun. Kaylee, we'll talk about running being fun or not so fun here in a moment, just kind of rehearsing your whole career and arc to to the place where you are now at such a good place in your career. But I want to revisit some things from your days in Astoria and so on and maybe a revived love of running and even running cross-country, which you had doubts about at one point. We'll get to that in a moment, but more immediately back to the race Saturday. Were the conditions good? I mean, did did you feel really good going into this? Yeah, I felt really good. Um, it was kind of a perfect amount of people in the race. It wasn't overly crowded, and everyone was trying to run fast. So it really simplified the whole thing. I, I just was like, you know, I, I just can't let anyone get away. And if you just get on the train, like, we're all going to run fast. Um, so that definitely took a whole, like, thinking process off of my plate, which was nice. And your season and career, we'll, we'll talk again about some of the specific goals and so on, but you're, do you feel good about where you are in terms of how you're running and, and just the momentum that you're building for the rest of this season? Absolutely. I think I'm just most pleased with where I'm at mentally. I am just really happy in all aspects of my life, and I've found that the happier that you are and all parts of your life, the the better you are going to run. And um, 
So I'm not just happy with running, but I'm happy with, with everything else. Um, and so it's just awesome that I get to be running well at the same time. Was that something that uh, you had to address, that you worked through some things and to get happier? I know I agree with you that uh, everything else is much better when you're happy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, indoors or outdoors, which, which do you prefer uh, in, in your competition? Um, you know, it's kind of hard for me to answer that because I've only had one indoor season my freshman year of college. So I haven't done it in a while. Um, I mean, it's fun to be on an indoor track, but I'd probably say outdoor is a lot more fun, especially when it's sunny and nice outside and, um, Steeplechase is fine. Um, yeah, so and, and you get to go to quite a few more places um, outdoors because there's more outdoor tracks than indoor tracks. But they both have their pros and cons. Kaylee, the steeplechase you mentioned, and I'm just curious about your continued success, major success in the sport. Your coach has said that, that you will be, if not already, an elite steeplechaser. So when, you know, how do you feel about your progress there and the season you had last year? And that was the last time we spoke last spring when you had qualified mm-hmm. for the uh, Olympic trials. What, and, and, and the Hayward premiere, how do you feel about how, I mean, do you feel like there's even a, a, a higher level or growth and improvement in that event? Yes. Um, you know, it sounds kind of funny. Um, but I definitely have failed at multiple races since the last time that I talked to you. Mm -hmm. And failure used to be something that I was most scared of, especially in front of other people. But now I can confidently stand here and say, like, I am glad that I had to fail a few times on big stages because I'm no longer afraid to do that. And it almost helped give me confidence, um, and so I've definitely grown in my maturity as a runner. And I don't think that I would have been able to do that if I hadn't had to face my biggest fear. <laughs> hmm. You know, I wondered, Kayleen, I don't think we've ever had a chance to talk about it specifically, but you were not, you did not end up participating in the trials, correct? What, what exactly happened? You qualified. What went on then? Well, I mean, I participated, but I was just like, I did not have a good race at all. Um, There was just a lot going on, and yeah, so I just had a a really bad race. Um, And so, yeah, I I have that experience of, you know, like running and being there, but not the experience of actually like running well and um, yeah. (laughs) My apologies for that, Kaylee, and and I may be thinking of a teammate of yours, and (laughs) I apologize, but... But it sounds like you're alluding to this and taking ownership of it as as an opportunity to learn and grow in your craft. I mean, is that, you know, from a moment like that and maybe subsequently even, how is it that you've worked your way through when you say, you know, you failed a little bit, something maybe you're not used to? Mm-hmm. How have you worked your way through that to get to a place of feeling really confident again? Um, you know, I would say probably not like learning to not put myself worth into an athletic performance. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that a lot of athletes struggle with that and I struggled with that for years. 
And I think it just took me failing and, and feeling those icky feelings to kind of figure out that, you know, even if it goes bad, um, I deserve happiness and fun just as a person. Um, this is just something that I do. And when I run well, that's awesome. And when I run bad, like I'm still the same Kaylee. Um, so I think that the more that athletes can just find self-worth like within themselves and not based on their performance, like the more enjoyable the sport is to begin with. But then I would argue the more success you might have because you're not, you know, putting all that insane pressure on yourself when you go out to compete and you're just having fun and trying to do the best you can do. Kaylee, where does that pressure come from? Is it uh, because is it just the the natural thing that competitive people do? I know that we opened the show talking about the football games yesterday, and and uh, a national uh, radio show chose to instead of say Joe Burrow was so good for Cincinnati, uh, Patrick Mahomes on the losing end was so bad and he choked. So, you know, and that's kind of a representation of society when a national talk show host chooses that route. And I think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the same thing along with individual sports uh, for athletes at the level that you're at? Is that because of things like that out in society and maybe certain coaches or whatever, you get that that uh, feeling that if you lose, you're, you're, you yourself are a loser because that's terrible. And I'm hoping that, like you mm-hmm. said, uh, there will be a turnaround on that. Yeah, most definitely. I think that for super competitive people, there's an internal pressure aspect and definitely an external uh, pressure aspect. And high-level competitive athletes like tend to have high expectations of themselves and want to be competitive. And that's where it's easy to you know put your self-worth into your performance. But then... Of course, you know, having everyone talk about your failure or you're you're putting yourself out there and you're giving it a shot. And then when you fail, it's like, even though you know that you really tried, sometimes it's hard to let go of what other people are going to say or think about that performance. And that's when it becomes important for you to do what you're doing truly just for yourself because Someone can have something to say all the time, whether you run good or mm-hmm. whether you do good or bad or whatever. Someone's always going to have something to say. But if you can sit down at the end of the day or at the end of the season and be like, you know, I gave this season everything that I had, and you can find peace and be proud of yourself, like that's really all that matters. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Kaylee uh, Mitchell joining us here this mm-hmm. afternoon. Uh, this year's team, what do you think you guys can do and how are things shaping up as far as just your teammates and, and, uh, pack 12 and all of that? Yeah. All my teammates are doing so well. We've all been having super great workouts. We had several good breakthroughs, um, this weekend, at indoor, I mean, we had Adele who had a huge PR in like the 60 hurdles and she split a super fast 400, time on our DMR. Uh, Christina went sub 9.30 in the uh, 3,000. Um, we had Amber Jackson, who's on the women's soccer team, actually, who hasn't competed in track and field in for like three years, and she split a 4.55 on our 
1,600-meter DMR leg and then came back the next day and ran 213 in the eight. So it was just super fun to have all that energy, you know, going into the rest of indoor season. Um, I just love seeing all of my teammates' hard work pay off because we're out there together every day at practice. I see how hard everyone's working. So, you know, it's just super fun to be a part of that. Hey, Kaylee, last couple of things. We appreciate you joining us. I alluded earlier to, uh, in Astoria, from what I understand, you were resistant to run cross-country. In fact, you said it's not very fun. You've used the word fun quite a bit, but when your family moved to Salem and you went to Sprague, you were sort of reintroduced to it. Tell us a little bit about the evolution, I guess, when you ran cross-country in this past fall and, and how you kind of got back into that from originally having some hesitations about it when you were at Astoria. Yeah, I, you know, being a more of a sprinter, I, I came from a 400-meter background, and then suddenly trying to run 5,000 meters was just really, really painful, and I wasn't <laughs> used to hurting for that long. So I didn't think it was all that fun, but I wanted to make friends when I moved, and I our track coach was the head cross-country coach, and so I just decided to just do it to make friends and I think it helped too when I got a lot better at cross country my junior year and so of course it's going to be more fun when we're doing better um but yeah and then just having a bunch of good girlfriends to run with really helped glad to hear it and and I hope you're still enjoy I mean enjoying it now more than perhaps in the past in the cross country side of things Final thing, and it's a it's a heartwarming story to all of us whenever we hear these types of things, but you originally uh, went to Seattle Pacific out of Sprague High School, then entered the transfer portal after really per- performing well and competing well there. And amongst the people that were interested in you, there were quite a few schools, including the one down the road from here, about <laughs> 45 miles and Oregon State, and you cast your lot with Oregon State, and that's a victory. That's a triumph for Beaver Nation. Doesn't always happen. So, Kaylee, maybe tell us why. It's a good choice. It's a great choice. But what were some of the re- your thinking behind that choice? You know, yeah, I visited Louie, and Louie was just, just amazing. He sold me on telling me, you know, like, this is what I could do for you. This is what you could do for the team. Um, There was just, like, a real bond and connection when we interacted. Um, And I don't know, I could just... I've never been someone who can ignore, like, the whispers in my heart. And that was definitely what my heart was whispering to me, was Oregon State. And I'm not going to lie, I was kind of nervous that maybe one day I'd regret not going to U of O. And, you know, I mean, Tracktown USA, mm-hmm. and I grew up in Oregon, um, but I, I picked OSU, and to this day I have never, ever, ever once regretted my decision. And it is by far one of the best decisions I have ever made. I, I love being here and being a part of this team. And so, yeah, I'm super blessed. <laughs> That's great. It's a good story, and we are glad, uh, Kaylee, that you took time again to share it. I, my apologies for a little bit of confusion on the timeline of things earlier. Too many things happen and bounce around 
in all of our lives, and that's my fault. But I thank you for taking the question with grace, and uh, thank you for running such a great race with grace Saturday in Seattle. It, it's it's really nice to talk to you again, and I hope we're uh, able to stay in touch throughout the season. Thanks for joining us. Congratulations on the new record, and uh, let's stay in touch as the season goes. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you. Kaylee Mitchell, our guest. We wrap things up for the first hour, although we will move right into a conversation with Jennifer Mountain, who called the Beavers' overtime victory over USC with Rich Burke on Friday night. Not quite sure what happened yesterday in terms of the stream. Maybe somebody could tell me. I I feel bad about the blunder. I'm blundering a lot, blunder every day. With respect to, and I may be thinking of the NCAA championships and not the Olympic trials. I thought there was an OSU athlete that scratched mm. late. Mm. And that somehow I thought that was in the trials for Kaylee. And I'm just, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about so many things. It's not that big a deal. But it feels like it to me. I know. We come back with Jennifer Mountain to talk about Oregon State women's hoops. That's coming up on 1240 Joe Radio. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. A big win for Boeing today. The aerospace giant says it has gotten a provisional order from Qatar Airways for 25 of Boeing's 737 MAX 10 jets, the largest model in the MAX family, plus an option to buy 25 more of the planes. The order, worth $34 billion at list prices, shares of Boeing are up 4.4% on the news. Stocks are solidly higher overall, led by tech shares. The tech-heavy Nasdaq composite, in fact, up 370 points. The S&P 500 is up 63 the Dow Jones Industrials ahead by 260. If you're looking for a new job this year, you may want to start your search in the San Francisco Bay Area. Job site Glassdoor says companies headquartered in San Francisco and San Jose dominated its rankings of the 100 best places to work in 2022. Other top metros included New York, Boston, and Los Angeles. In reviews, people praised the companies in these cities for their flexible work environments, strong benefits packages, and access to senior leadership, among other perks. That's your money now. Exergen would like you to know about an important study just released by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community has known all along. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate. The study also reports that they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy and labeling. With new strains of COVID on the rise, we can't afford to tolerate the rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure, be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (gasps) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. (sighs) For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS. 
Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541 8245 Edward Jones, member SIPC. The Peacock Bar and Grill is making eating out affordable with a 650 specials from 11 till 9 every day of the week. On Monday, it's a small sirloin steak dinner. Tuesday, any pub-sized burger on the menu. Wednesday, it's an open-faced hot turkey sandwich. Thursday, it's spaghetti and meatballs. Friday is a French dip. Saturday, pulled pork sliders. And Sunday, it's mac and cheese. You can always call ahead and get it to go or have it delivered. The Peacock Bar and Grill, a local favorite since 1929 on 2nd Street, downtown Corvallis. Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, here with another Golf Minute to help you make the ball do what you want. Ever find yourself behind a tree when playing golf and wish that you could curve the ball so you could still go for the green? Well, wish no more, because here's how to bend the ball around a tree on command. To hit an intentional hook, aim your feet and shoulders slightly right of your target. Put the club face so it appears to be pointing at your left shoe. Swing normally, starting the downswing with your lower body, which puts the club to the inside. To hit an intentional slice, aim your feet and shoulders slightly left. Open the club face so the heel is in front of the toe. Swing hard and hang on to the club. You don't want it to turn over. Hold off the club's rotation and make the heel lead the toe through impact. So remember, put the face for a hook, lead the heel for a slice, and playing from the lumber yard is no problem. Timber! For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. Dreaming of adventure beyond your backyard? NerdWallet can help you compare and find the smartest credit cards to get there. Use NerdWallet to compare travel cards with bonus miles to go from working from home to relaxing far, far away. Then use NerdWallet to compare cashback cards and turn everyday purchases into a beachside cabana big enough for the whole family. Four sand for the third tower. She's the only boss you'll be answering to this week. Nice castle. Compare your way there. Find the smartest financial products for you on NerdWallet. You probably wouldn't leave thousands of dollars on the table at a diner. Why leave thousands on the table with your tax return? Jackson Hewitt will help make sure you don't. This year, there are thousands of dollars worth of new tax credits. Your Jackson Hewitt tax pro will help you track down every last one. So you get your biggest refund guaranteed. Don't leave thousands on the table this year. Discover thousands of dollars in tax credits instead. Learn more at jacksonhewitt.com. Testing, testing, one, two, three, four. In these contentious times... Sir, you've asked a simple-minded question. I will give you an equally simple-minded answer. We invite you to escape for the next couple of hours into the world of The Joe Beaver Show with your hosts, John Warren and Mike Parker, and occasionally, Doug Blair. All right, men, we're not here to sell lemonade. We're here to practice. No one breaks it down any better. Old Indian game. It's called, uh, put the ball in the hole. So what are these little arrows? Let Joe Beaver be your guide into the bold new world of technology. Uh, radio. That's going to break down a lot of walls. Yes? The door is wide open. Recreation time, gentlemen. So come on in. Be a part of the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the beavers, 
1240 Joe Radio. We head into our second hour on this Monday afternoon. Mike Parker, John Warren will have some open phones in the final half hour or so of the program to get involved in the all-important uh, affixing of blame and assigning of blame. <laughs> that now, is sports. You know that we tend to go the other way, and I would rather talk about the Bengals and their D coordinator and Joe Burrow than trying to lay defeat at, some, at, at the feet of somebody that competed and played hard, a little bit like journalists described many years ago, a, a journalist is like those after the battle who go in and shoot the wounded. Yeah. It's a little harsh, but maybe not altogether incorrect. <laughs> I have, <laughs> it's just not my style or my approach to want to begin with whose fault is it? Right. What went wrong? Why did this happen? Well, sometimes there's guys on the other side of the field or the court or whatever that make it happen. Now, Friday night, I'm not sure. I've ne- we've never visited before. So Jennifer Mountain may want to open this conversation by blaming USC <laughs> for giving away a 10-point lead. I doubt that. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but my sense was the Beavers persevered, hung in, Correct. played some good zone. The Leah von Olhoffen had a transcendent night. And the Beavers found a way to win that. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what Jennifer Mountain, and it's a pleasure to welcome Coach Mountain to the Joe Beaver Show and see what she thought happened Friday night. But, Coach, thanks for taking time. And even before we get into the specifics, as an analyst on games, I don't know if you have a philosophical approach or just try to describe what you're seeing. I am not a huge fan myself of hypercritical broadcast, if you know what I mean. So I didn't get to hear you Friday. I was at the game. What's your overall approach to calling a college basketball game? Well, number one, thanks for having me on. But, you know, you always want to go in prepared and and have, you know, some tidbits about all the players. But really my job is just to analyze what's going on in the game itself. And so, you know, I'm watching the action. I'm watching the individual performances kind of see strategy-wise. You know, coaching, you kind of go your coach's brain there, what's going to happen next or what you would do next or trying to kind of see what the coaches are thinking um, depending on the situation. But um, it's really just kind of reading what's happening in the moment. And, Coach, what did you see happen in those moments Friday? I mean, just from your perspective, the Beavers dug that one out, it looked like to me, an impressive win when a lot of things weren't really going particularly well other than Talia. What did you make of how Oregon State won that game? Well, you're right. I mean, it was just a gritty performance, and she had an absolutely tremendous individual performance. I mean, literally, I mean, that second half was one of the best offensive performances I've seen of the season so far. So, you know, she had only 10 points in that first quarter, really quiet in the second, and then just exploded and really unstoppable. You know, when somebody gets hot like that, it's kind of hard to stop them. you got to make them do something else, but... Uh, I just thought really they, they really gritted it out. I mean, they have some really good pieces inside and out, and, you know, they just stuck with what they were doing. They executed really well down the, the stretch there. And, you know, just that last play, I mean, from my vantage point, it was it was kind of weird. It, it, I felt like they thought it was a jump ball, and she just ripped it apart, mm-hmm. and that's why you play to the whistle. So, you know, just a great performance and, and a gutsy win. Jennifer Mountain joining us. She was the analyst with Rich Burke Friday night at Gill Coliseum in the Beavers' overtime victory over USC. Coach, from a strategic standpoint, 
and I haven't been able to see the women's team as much. I call the men's games, and I'm traveling a lot. I was really delighted to be able to see that game Friday night. Coach mm-hmm. Ruick, I don't know how where you come in on uh, man-to-man versus zone and so on. He generally, I mean, I think the Beavers play more man than zone, but it looked like the zone was useful and helpful and helped the Beavers kind of rein USC in a little bit. Did you see it that way? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, he does primarily play man-to-man, but, you know, every now and then you got to mix it up and kind of throw people, you know, off guard, whether it's out of a timeout, you know, you're playing man maybe 90% of the time, and then all of a sudden you switch it up on them. They get out of a rhythm. You know, USC typically did not shoot well from the three-point line, so I don't mind the zone call right there, make him kind of prove it uh, from the perimeter. But, um you know, just I thought he did a really nice job of mixing things up. And like I said, they have a lot of good pieces um, to kind of work with there and great inside presence. I mean, obviously, you know, the two top shot-blocking teams in the in the conference uh, competed against each other the other night. Yeah, and when fully healthy, Oregon State the tallest in the conference, too, across the board. <laughs> Jennifer Mountain joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. How much time did you have? Uh, when did you know you were getting the call to make the call? <laughs> Well, it, it really was about 36 hours, so uh, short notice on that one. But, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of watch the Pac-12 as much as I can. I have a lot of friends in the conference, colleagues that I, you know, peers that I've, I've worked with over the years. And, um, you know, so I'm very familiar. I just like to watch women's basketball in general. So I'm kind of a junkie, as I think most coaches would be at, at any point. But, um yeah, I just, like I said, I, I got it, you know, kind of late, but, you know, very fortunate to be on it. I had a great call with Rich and, and really enjoyed it. And um, want to continue on coaching and, and, and keep doing that for a while? No, I'm done with coaching. I really? retired from coaching a few years back and uh, really have enjoyed kind of staying in the game with the broadcasting. Uh, you know, I kind of I had a fortunate situation pick up you know, a couple of years ago at University of Portland and have done a lot of games from them and uh, really just have enjoyed kind of being back in the game and, and kind of taking that part. It's kind of cured my coaching hat, I guess, um, if you want to say. But I, I think I'm done coaching for quite a while. Your bio doesn't say, where did you go to um, high school in, in Portland and play basketball? I went to Centennial High School. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Yeah, and then, in the of Gresham course, you, Porter. Yeah. And you're familiar with the Portland market. And, of course, uh, you ended up coaching in the uh, uh, West Coast League and, and um, uh, you know, up at Gonzaga. I mean, long, lot of coaching experience for you. So it's kind of a big deal for you to shut it down. Well, you know, I did it for almost 25 years. And as, as time goes on, things change and your life changes. And just for me at this point in my career and in my life and things that are important to me. Um, it just kind of was the right decision. And the broadcasting has been an absolutely great fit, like I said, because it really kind of keeps me involved in the game and a game that I love and has given me so much over the years. So I, I've really enjoyed it and, and hope to continue with it. Jennifer Mountain joining us. How many Pac-12 games have you done as a broadcaster? That was my first yeah. one. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I mean, your name was unfamiliar. I'm just telling you, as, a, as you know, we've yeah. had a lot of analysts and play-by-play people on for both men's and women's Pac-12 games. And when I saw that you were doing it, and we had just spoken with Elise Woodward, who said she wasn't going to be doing the game, but she didn't tell us who. So when we saw your yeah. name, we knew you were pinch hitting for Elise. But yeah. did you feel like, did it go well from your perspective? Do you go back and self-critique and watch and say, well, too much here, not enough there? How did it go, Jennifer? Well, I thought overall, and some of the feedback that I've, you know, 
gotten back from people has been good. Um, I mean, I, I think I'm probably my the worst critic of myself. Of just to go back and you kind of nitpick things and yeah. you know it, it was kind of a, a last minute thing trying to get things going and I you know had games in between it as well. So it wasn't that I just had to prepare for that. Um, but again, a great opportunity and I, and I thought it actually went pretty well and. And hopefully, you know, I have another game coming up, um, Oregon versus Cal in another couple of weeks, and continue just to get better at it. No, oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. From from the pr- basketball perspective in Oregon State, they they pull away and beat UCLA by 14, but they're going at this and have been going at it without Taylor Jones, and we're not sure. It could be quite a while before if she returns. I mean, we'll see how that goes. How do you feel yeah. about the way this club is constituted to – to, to get back to the tournament, maybe even make a run again. How, how do you see this personnel grouping? Well, I really think it's going to come down to health. I mean, every single team, I mean, you look at UCLA the other night, you know, they had to forfeit against Oregon and have seven players against Oregon state. And it's really going to come down to teams being healthy and being able to play. I mean, every day it's, are we going to play a game because of COVID protocols and this and that. But I think, you know, to really answer your question, they have the pieces um, they've got to get more consistency out of it, and that and that just comes with reps and you know people in practice. I mean, people think well, COVID only affects games. Well, it really affects practice more than anything. Um, where there, you know, some teams haven't been able to go five on five because they they just don't have the numbers. So I think he's got a good product, and I think they're going to continue to get better. And and this conference is so competitive. I mean, really, the best conference, you know, I think around so it's it's really going to come down to how are they gelling in the next couple weeks and how healthy they are jennifer mountain our guest for the first time here on the joe beaver show we hope to visit with the coach again down the road jennifer the i i popped into jonas chatterton's office the associate head coach on friday the day of the game and i just you know we talked for a few minutes about some things one of the things that he identified that i've heard fans talk about too but he said we're we need we're going to need to go where we want to go to have a player sort of that go to hit the big shot, take the big shots, kind of put us on their back when other things aren't going well. And I thought he was almost prophesying about Talia Von Olofen and the way her weekend went 31 against USC 21 yesterday. How important is that teams you've coached and so on, even though it's a team game to have somebody you can kind of, (laughs) You can give them the ball in crunch time and they can make plays and hit big shots. Well, it's huge. And not only, you know, in your mind as a coach, you think you know who that player may be, but I mean, she, she wants the ball when it matters. And, and you can really tell that. I mean, you look at how many points she scored in high school and the career she's had just coming in as a young, you know, freshman. It's like incredible um, to be able to have somebody. She can score in a variety of different ways. And so with the amount of sets that they have and how they execute, I mean, she's going to have the ball when it really matters. What do you think about the league? I mean, it's amazing how deep this league has gotten just in the last five years because it used to be a handful of teams up top, but now you've got teams like Arizona that have raised up. Arizona yeah. State has dropped a little from back in the in the heyday and just a few years ago. Now you got yep. Washington State beating teams so big over there. And there isn't really an easy draw in this conference, is there? No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. There is no easy draw. I mean, you look at the net rankings, and I think 10 of the 12 teams are in the top 100 net rankings. Seven of the 12 are in the top 50. So, I mean, there is incredible talent. I mean, obviously, the national championship game, you got two Pac-12 teams in it last year. 
Um, a lot of teams, you know, bringing back a lot of players because of the COVID issue last year. So um, just a tremendous league with a lot of talent, great coaches. And I mean, like you mentioned, Washington state wasn't good for a, you know, a really long time and they're back in it. And like you said, there is no easy game. You have to be prepared and you have to play well to win every single night. Final thing, Coach, and we really appreciate uh, getting to know you a little bit and appreciate your time on the Joe Beaver Show. Jennifer Mountain with us. I, I'm curious about Scott Ruick and defense. We talked a little bit about the specifics of playing some zone. He also, I thought, in Seattle sprung a possession late when Washington might have prepared for man, and then he comes out in zone, like you said, kind of changing things up. Mike Montgomery, who does what you do now, great coach, and now – you know, is an analyst on games, but Montgomery said, in his opinion, Coach Montgomery said it takes nearly three years to really teach good man-to-man defense and the principles and how to play it. Three years, and I, what chance does that give anybody? If that's true in the transfer portal era and so on, I mean, what do you make of of installing and instilling those principles in in man-to-man defense, Coach? Is he right? Does it take a long time? I think it depends on the personnel. I don't know if I put a number of years on it, but, you know, you, you try to recruit kids that fit your system, and I think that Scott's done a tremendous job of that. I mean, look at the success that he's had over the last 10 years. I mean, it's amazing. Oregon State basketball is has completely transformed and is a national power. There's no doubt about it. And I think mixing it up is always good. But man-to-man principles, I mean, you learn man-to-man principles when you're young. It's then fitting it into your system. And I think Scott is a really good teacher. I think Jonas is a really good teacher. And uh, they've done a nice job with what they have. I mean, I, I wouldn't look at this team and go, oh, my God, they have the best athletes you've ever seen. But they have really good pieces, and they're smart, and they really execute. And that's, that's, that's a tribute to the coaching staff. Well, and now they're getting, you know, all these five-star recruits for two, almost three years in a row. And when yep. it's all put together, you're just thinking that yep. the, but then out of nowhere, Kelly Graves comes to Oregon and he starts getting <laughs> everybody. Well, you, you look at both the schools in Oregon and as an Oregon, and I'm pretty proud because I mean, mm-hmm. they have really uh, transformed women's basketball in the state. So, I mean, it's not an easy place to come and play. It's, the Oregon trip is not an easy trip anymore for a lot of teams. Jennifer, thanks for your time. Nice to meet you. Thanks for making time for us. I hope we can do it again, Coach. Thanks. Absolutely. Have a great one. Thank you. Jennifer Mountain, our guest. She's really good. And I I heard her, and the biggest issue was timing, which she got right. And that's kind of when you're, especially 36 hours to prep. Right. And you've never worked with someone before as far as the play-by-play. It's just a matter of, okay, when do you talk? When do I talk? And they, they did a great job. One thing I wonder, she talks about University of Portland, and I don't I don't know this. I should, but I don't. Most things are in that category. <laughs> but does she work with Ann? Does running Ann Schatz do games, and Jennifer's her, her, her analyst? I don't know. Dave, Dave, Grace, I need a one-way ticket. To we, we should Is that the answer to that Ann question? Shots. Next time we talk to Ann, but I think that may, she said the University of Portland. Did you radio? No, I think. Maybe, like I don't know if it's an in, I, I don't know exactly how that all works, but I think Ann does some games and maybe it's on one of the, a television CW affiliate or something oh, yeah, in yeah, Portland. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I, CW I, actually has a lot of local teams in Portland. Okay. Warner maybe Hawks, that's what I'm thinking pilots. of, but not getting that station and not seeing it. I right. don't know if that's what Ann's up to. We talked to Ann when she's working soccer matches or PAC 12 games mm-hmm. or so on. And mm-hmm. we love Ann, but I don't know in the more local area, if 
she's calling pilots games specifically and working with Jennifer. I think that may be the case. Yeah. We have open phones the rest of the way, Doc, about yesterday's NFL games, about anything else you'd like to talk about, the Super Bowl matchup. We are making the official through the channel's effort to try to talk to either Johnny Hecker or, or both, Eric Yarber on the Rams staff. Do we have any Cincinnati? I don't think there's any Cincinnati connections, do we? I don't think so. Not, not right now. Uh, and the coaching, I'm not sure. The defensive coordinator who was who, who uh, was almost, he, he almost, what I read is, yeah, they've decided they, they're bringing him back for 2021 <laughs> because late in the season last year, the Bengals gave up 404 yards rushing in a game. And so there was some talk, well, we need to fire the D coordinator. Whatever he did, whatever the defense did, if you have thoughts about what happened and what unfolded in those games, we'd love to hear from you. But part of me, rather than just say it's simply Mahomes choking, as Rome put it, and Patrick's performance certainly was not at the same level it was on the first four drives of the game. How much credit should the Bengals and their coordinator, their staff, their players at halftime fixing it? Uh, th- that looked to me a little bit more like what was going on than just Mahomes suddenly forgot who he was. I mean, if you have any thoughts on any of that, 497-5356. Thanks for joining us on 1240 Joe Radio. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. If you need your windshield repaired or replaced, you don't need to call that 800 number. Give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the Glassman. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glassman. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Have you been putting off that home remodeling project? If one of your New Year's resolutions is to get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. They invite you to stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands. The staff at Corvallis Floor Covering thanks you for your continued support over the last 34 years and looks forward to working with you in 2022. For more information, log on to Corvallis Floor Covering. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown. And go be whether you are looking for your first job or an exciting career change at Intech, we are looking for you. Intech is growing and offers entry-level wages starting at $18 to $22 per hour, as well as excellent pay and benefit opportunities for established professionals, immediate full benefit eligibility, health insurance, 401k, life and disability, tuition reimbursement, and so much more. Career opportunities from entry-level to professional are available. To start enjoying the career you've always wanted, visit entek.com and click on the Careers tab. We're excited to meet you. So the wife rolls into the living room. Honey, you need to get off of the couch and get busy on that list of projects I have for you. And I says to her, but I don't have all the equipment. 
Oh, she rattles off, that's no excuse. You can rent all the tools and equipment you need from Philomath Rental. And since they're open seven days a week, you can go out there today. All right already. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, one and a half miles west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for farm, home, and business. Hey, y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. Hey, y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I You like Blake Shelton? I don't know why that hit. Yeah, I do. Do you? I do. How not, is it? Not enough to play him twice like that. <laughs> but uh, you know, I here here we go the the old school approach. <laughs> the other day on Pandora somewhere, I I can't remember where we were, but we put on a more of a modern country station. Somebody Jackson Davis or somebody Jordan Davis maybe, and then subsequent songs. And I, I'm going to be one of those guys right now to say every one of those modern-day country songs sounded mm-hmm. formulaic and almost exactly the same. <laughs> and where Towns Van Zandt and songs like Poncho and Lefty or Sunday Morning Coming Down, Three Chords in the Truth or whatever else. I, is that what the country genre is now? Is that just everybody sounding the same? I don't know. I mean, I, I think so. Come on now. I, I hope that's not just being an old man who... You know, well, uh, Chris Christopherson, Ray Price, George Jones, Hank Williams, that was one country was really good today. I'm sorry. I tried to listen with an open mind and heart, and all I heard was the same kind of thing over and over and over again. Am I right or wrong, people? Please. 497-5356 on the Downward Dog phone line or the University Honda text line. Open phones the rest of the way. Thoughts about the Beaver basketball sweep, the NFL games, anything else you'd like to jump in with? We have a text from Harley saying that the Diamond Dinner was the best he'd ever seen, that Jim Wilson was excellent, the player introductions were fun, especially Mitchell Verberg. So any of you who attended the Diamond Dinner and got uh, your appetite whetted and excitement and enthusiasm up for baseball just around the corner, we'd love to hear from you about that, too. 497-5356. Paul, good afternoon, and welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Oh, Mike, you're absolutely not wrong about country music, man. I just, I can't listen to the new stuff. It, it's it's more like rock and roll. It, it just, the, the country's been squeezed right out of it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Somebody told me, and I don't know if this is true, Scott Schuler could perhaps enlighten us, Paul. And maybe those of you who really love modern day country could say, well, yeah, and, and it's good. But that there that there are songwriting factories, three or four people writing all the songs for all the artists these days, and that the days of the legendary stories of Chris Christopherson renting a helicopter to land it on Johnny Cash's estate to deliver him Sunday morning coming down. Johnny, please listen to this song. I think it would be good for you and you might like it. The hungry, starving songwriter trying to get his or her stuff in front of people, those kind of romantic stories that Ken Burns told in the country music documentary, that they just don't happen anymore and that there's just four. I think the number given was four songwriters. Just, okay, cranking them out according to the formulas and getting them to the artists, and they share the famous hot artists now are all doing the same things. John, does that have a ring of truth to you? I have no idea. Does it sound, it the, sound like it the song sound like they're manufactured yeah, right, that right, way? right. No, I don't know. I, well, but, yeah, go ahead, there's, Paul. There's still a few songwriters like Chris Stapleton mm-hmm, yeah. writing his own stuff, you know, that, that, that you can listen to. 
Okay. But I, I still like the old stuff. Yeah. But, but let's get let's get back to the NFL. And to me, this was the the one year where there was absolutely no clear cut favorite on either the AFL, the AFC, or the NFC. And I was never convinced that the Titans were a number one seed or the Green Bay Packers were a number one seed. They just seemed way too vulnerable. You know, they, they you know, everybody had a what a eleven and six record or something like that. Everything yeah. was about the same. And uh, so I, I don't think there was any uh, real uh, favorites. I mean, as you can obviously against all of the home teams lost there in the, 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 the division playoffs. I was actually thinking about and, uh, this recently too, Paul, because that there's no Patriots. The last real dominant team was the Patriots, and we just don't we don't see that these last uh, this year anyway, certainly. And then, of course, way back when, remember in the 80s and 90s, guys, when you clearly knew that the NFC was the better team and was going to win big, and the AFC team always came in as a huge underdog. <laughs> now it's it's up in the air. Absolutely. I think I think parody has finally reared its head here, I guess you would say. But uh, I don't know. I And, I, you know, everybody talks about how Pat Mahomes runs. What about Joe Burrow? Man, he made two gigantic scrambles to get first downs there. I yeah. mean, he's just as athletic as the rest of them. And, and, and his vision, you know what I mean, to see where he's got to go and, and how to get there is, is impeccable as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's in for a big payday. Paul, I don't know how closely over the years you follow the league. I will say this. The last two weeks, and John, even you said yesterday's drama, wall high, wasn't nearly at the same pitch as the previous week with all four games settled in walk-offs. But the NFL has sort of, I've been reeled back in by by this postseason. Been fun. And looking forward to the Super Bowl maybe more than I have in a long Mm -hmm. time. Just and I talked to Scott Spiegelberg earlier today, who is even older than me, and that's hard to find, but he is. And he said he's not been much of an NFL fan, but he is lately. And and so there's something going on where the games are just flat out so compelling and so competitive and so exciting that if you like the sport of football, yeah. you're going to watch and enjoy these games. It's been incredible to me. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%, Mike, and I am older than you, so I'm another <laughs> one. But okay. anyway, uh, and I just can't wait to see the rivalry between uh, Josh Allen and Pat and Mahomes mm-hmm. and Burrow. That's going to be a really good rivalry for a long time to come in the AMC. There are some good young quarterbacks we've seen in, the, in this year's playoffs who will be around for and a I long time. That, that's exactly why Tom Brady has said, well, it's, you know, it's time for the next generation. Yeah, yeah. That was big news on Saturday. And we can look yeah. forward to the Trey Lance era beginning officially now in San Francisco, according to, <laughs> according to disgruntled 49ers fans. Wow. It's tough business in a tough life. Paul, thanks for anything else. No, that'll okay. do it. Mike. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Paul. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Um, it's there's there's it we're back to a run. Remember there were the runs in this in the eighties and and nineties of great quarterbacking um, throughout the league, and there's some great young quarterbacks that. And I I forgot about Josh Allen. I can't wait to see what he can do moving forward, and uh, I I really look forward to it. You have an extra game to do. Yeah, it came up didn't February fifteenth, Oregon right. State, Colorado. 
Tuesday night, it was going to be, I don't know what, January something or other. But it's officially been moved now to Tuesday the 15th. Yeah, it was going to be January 1st on Saturday, but that it got postponed. And now Tuesday, February 15th. At Gill. The day after Valentine's Day at Gill Coliseum at 6 in the evening. The Beavers go to the Mountain Schools this weekend, Utah Thursday, Colorado Saturday afternoon. Let's get to some text. Katie was the first to say six-year-old singer. I didn't know. I, I, I couldn't remember six or ten. I think I threw out both, and the answer is, according to Katie, and I think now is correct, yeah. Ron Callen said, six-year-old. Six years old, very bold singer, loud and from the heart, says another texter. My last text was about the girl singing the anthem, Tootie, six years old. Thank you, Tootie. She sang it with enthusiasm and added some flair, too. Good for her. Uh, then the number three, his last name is Tart. The first name was pronounced differently than I think it looks like. Cheering for, what does Shane from Corvallis say? My thoughts on the Chiefs. I think Mahomes and the staff did choke bad. Uh, that uh, Bad day results, in my humble opinion. And it's hard to say that coming from a Denver Bronco fan. Thank you, Shane. And what is, day, in my days of going to the fabulous forum, uh, Chick Hearn okay. was announcing up high and now... Yeah. They're down low. So the two questions on this one text, and it's a good one because it is difficult. And I heard Ron yesterday say it too, that at one point the UCLA coach, he said, I couldn't see. There are times that I just have to, uh, I have to ask Scheffler or somebody who had a different view. What is the call? Who do they call the foul on? I like the proximity, as I said to you, I mean, earlier today, to be able to sit as a fan across the way with nothing in front of you, courtside, yeah. no better view of the game right. of basketball. It's amazing. But in terms of the play-by-play craft and the things you have to do, there are better seats. And so I so, would prefer to be right next to the team, though. I know. I would prefer that, too. The give, the, there's give and take. And I would much prefer to be courtside <laughs> and kind of hear and observe and yeah. see some of the dynamics yeah. and the officials' interaction with the coaches and even occasionally overhear uh-huh. what it is Wayne is saying or a coach is saying. I think it is still better to be there. I'm not believing. I don't want to give up and go right. mid-level at Gill. Right. However, there is something you give up by being there, and that's the texter on the uh, University on the text line writes this. Good morning. I don't understand why they put play-by-play announcers courtside. Mike Parker has to try to see through Tinkle to announce the play-by-play. How tough is that, Mike, he asks. Probably a little more difficult with Wayne than a lot of coaches because Wayne is 6'10". Yeah. <laughs> now, he says, does David in Salem, in the days of going to the fabulous forum, Chick Hearn announced from a section above. He did that for many years. It's a joke putting play-by-play near the coach. Thanks, David in Salem. David, I understand, and you, in Chickie's phrase, his felicitous phrase was, from high above the western sideline at the fabulous forum in Englewood, Chick Hearn with Lynn Shackelford or Dick Chad or Keith Erickson or Stu Lance, but Chickie, baby, Uh, Rod Hunley, high above the western sideline is what he would always say. Mm -hmm. And I would go up there and repair. We'd get to the forum. I did like to see Wilt and Elgin and Jerry kind of warming up. That was cool. But I would make a beeline up to high above the western sideline and just watch Chick at work. They'd turn the lights down, but he'd have this little lamp over his chart. And I asked him for his autograph one day, and he gave it. And Dick Shad was there, and Dick gave me his autograph in the – that was during the 69-70 season when Shad was the uh, color analyst. And 
I was as interested to see what they were doing and where they were doing it from. I wanted to see where high above the western sideline was. It's an unimpeded view, and you do not have coaches, officials, or people standing in front of you that you're trying to work your way around and call the act, you know, moving. And I, I am kind of going back and forth throughout throughout the game. You know yeah. how that is. Yeah. Yeah, I've been blocked off on a few things that were pretty crucial. Yeah. and you, you, just, you just fill in the blanks. You try to, anyway. Tim from Corvallis, what does he say? Uh, John Elway is the exception to Dave from Tacoma's pronouncement about the second Super Bowl being more difficult. For Elway, the first, and I thought of Elway immediately, too, when he's saying the first. It took John a long time to finally get there, but after he got the first, the second came immediately thereafter and seemed easier. Thank you for that, Tim. Now, Doug, Doug is kind of back to his old form, isn't he? Yeah, of uh, multiple texts. Yeah, it's and, and we appreciate it. Uh, not, not real pleased with Saturday night. Well, no, and no one is. And I want to talk about the game formerly known as the Civil War, form, formerly, <laughs> like the artist formerly known as Prince. Saturday yeah. night game was not good. Yeah, you're, Doug, you're right. I'm not going to disagree. It was not. Free country music, says somebody. Mike is right. Loretta Lynn, Dolly, Waylon, Charlie Pride, Roy Clark, Tom and Corvallis. Thank you. And it's not, I, I don't listen enough to it. It was a one-day sample listening to a Pandora station that was predicated on creating a station from an artist named Jordan Davis, I think. And Jordan Davis had a song or two that sounded pretty good, my wife liked, and so we created a station and listened. But, John, as I was kind of going about my business, and that was in the background, I, I would look up and say, is that the same song or is that, and is that on me? Oh, you, you're a bad listener. You don't appreciate the beauty of the songs and the greatness of the era. Maybe I don't, but I'm just telling you, there was a formulaic sense to it that I don't get from Christopherson, Towns Van Zant, Tom T. Hall, and others. Well, no, and, and that's been gone for a long time. Even when it was Garth Brooks and mm-hmm. Brooks and Dunn and, and, uh, you know, Toby Keith. I love all those. I love I love country from ni- from the nineties to twenty ten. And that was good stuff. But even that wasn't like the old old stuff that you're talking about. Do you understand Bob Keith's text about she is from Pasco? Who's from Pasco? I think the little girl. Oh, the little girl. T V O and what's T V O? Again, they I don't in, know. in the age, Bob, I, maybe I should understand everything you meant when you said she. The text just simply reads She's from Pasco, Washington. TVO has heard her several times. What's TVO? What uh, should I know that? TVO has heard her several times. Are we referring, Bob, to the six-year-old girl who sang the anthem yeah. from Pasco? And who or what is TVO? John, does that ring a bell to you? Nope. Good. T-V-O. Doesn't me either. Maybe he it's a typo, something. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll come back. If you have any, uh, if Bob, if you can enlighten us on what TVO is, feel free. Let me read this one okay. that came in a second ago okay. from Glenn. It's pretty funny. Okay. He says, will somebody tell the Joker PA announcer at SoCal that it's not about him? Even Fox guys were getting annoyed. I did not notice that. Oh, at SoFi, he means yeah. probably. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Dave was. He uh, says, I remember Shanley, by the way, saying, yeah. move, Jack Ramsey. <laughs> come on, Jack, get out of the way. No, I. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point. Uh, Bill could say that to Dr. Jack, and Jack might even do it. But <laughs> I don't think I'm in that position with Coach Tinkle. Talia von Olhoffen. Oh, wh- what does that have to do with anything, though? It's TVO. I know. She's from Pasco, Washington. TVO has heard her several times. 
What? Who? I don't even know. TVO from Pasco, and then during high school games or whatever. Okay, TVO is to Leah von Olhoffen. Okay, but who's from Pasco? The six-year-old girl. So is that what he's talking? Bob, is that what you're talking about? We need to. I don't want to be a. Uh, uh, I can connect those Bernard dots. Bernard Malamud writing 101 here. I can connect those dots. Okay. We were talking about the girl. Okay. So he, Bob, who only texts 99% <laughs> about women's basketball yes. because of family connections, says she is from Pasco. Referring to the six-year-old singer? Yes, of course. Okay. And that TVO's heard her several times? Yes, but we didn't know who TVO is. Now we do. <laughs> is now that we do. do people generally refer to her as TVO? I know I've that. never heard that before. Okay. No. No. And TVO should be the Pac-12 player of the week. <laughs> I but, hope they yeah. don't call her TVO because then we're going to be abbreviating everything. <laughs> IDK TVO LOL MLAO. Yes, and he says exactly what I said. I don't know how he says, yeah, you don't see she, how I miss that? She heard her sing in Pasco, Washington. So Talia has heard the young girl several times. What's the young girl's name? Elio? Oh, I don't know. Uh, what, what is her name? Do we know that? Ron Callen might know. Let's take a final break and wrap it up on 1240. Now, we'll call RC and see if he knows. 1240 <laughs> Joe Radio. So the wife rolls into the living room. Honey, you need to get off of the couch and get busy on that list of projects I have for you. And I says to her, but I don't have all the equipment. Oh, she rattles off, that's no excuse. You can rent all the tools and equipment you need from Philomath Rental. And since they're open seven days a week, you can go out there today. All right already, darn you, Philomath Rental. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, one and a half miles west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for farm, home, and business. If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team, and go Beeves. If you are a veteran and live in Lynn County, there are benefits and services available to you at Lynn County Veterans Services. You've earned them. Use them. Call 541-926-3882 and take advantage of what you've earned. Home loans, disability compensation, health care, transportation, and more. Lynn County Veterans Services is here to help you. If you are a veteran and live in Lynn County, call 541-926-3882 and thank you for serving your country. Lynn County Veterans Services, serving our local veterans. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. 
Here at locally owned and operated Alirica Networks, we use the same service you do, so you can be rest assured that you're getting the very best internet service, whether for home, business, or enterprise. At Alirica, we make sure that each of our valued customers gets the plan that best fits their needs. So whether you require basic service or faster speeds for gaming or HD video streaming, we will make sure to match you with the plan that works best for your home or business. Alirica Networks always goes the extra mile. Give us a call or find out more at Alirica.net. Dave's Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids has the right tires for the right price for your Prius, Toyota, and all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Come meet Dave's new tire expert, Eddie, with 27 years' experience in the industry and save today. Need an oil change? Get $20 off your next oil service at Dave's Performance Hybrids. Off I-5 and Highway 20 in Albany, online at davesperformancehybrids.com. The home of the Oregon State Beavers. 1240. Joe Radio. Michael, I have some good news for you okay. coming up this week. Uh, good news for all Pac-12 fans. Knock on wood. But I was looking at the schedule this morning. There isn't anything that's postponed for the week ahead. Nice. And the last couple of weeks, they knew, they, the ominous day, mm-hmm. they knew that uh, five, six days ahead, on some of these games, it didn't involve Oregon State. And, you know, each day on the morning show, I'd look at it and go, oh, man, oh, ooh, that one's, you know, not going to go with, you know, like USC and Arizona State, these types of. And the whole slate is looking good. Oregon State, Colorado, Tuesday the 15th to make that one up. There's only three, I think. No, there's only two Pac-12 games that need to be made up. I don't think that other one, Colorado State, would be. That's they. It's still called postponed in the in the beaver schedule but using that word but i think it's they're not going to try to to get that that in or any other non-conference game in so it, what once kind of felt like uh, what what's where are we going with this is maybe coming back around and getting better getting better as people go through all of this stuff but anyway that's uh that was one observation from this morning that i think is is a nice outlook moving forward I'm going to hand my phone to you yeah, through this yeah. little window here. Little computer, you're... And can you call him, please? Let's call him on the Downward Dog phone line, see if he answers so he could perhaps speak to us live, somewhat impromptu, about the six-year-old from Pasco that TVO has heard a few times. Thank you, by the way. We've had Texas say TVO is a commonly used designation for uh, on chat sites that Talia von Olhoffen, and I understand that. Talia von Olhoffen is a, is a mouthful. It's a lot of things to type in. <laughs> Talia works because we've never had a player named Talia before in the program, and like so many of the Oregon State women's players through the years, they end up becoming friends and so familiar to all of us that we just refer to Sydney or Jamie or Talia or Ruth or what, you know, Kennedy. I mean, you, you refer to them by their first names and get to know them that way. And on a first-name basis, Gabby, you know, on and on we could go. Devin, uh, Taya, through the years, you you know players and, and appreciate them on a first-name basis. And so uh, I understand how one might, when referring to, uh, to Leah von Olhoffen, would refer to as TVO in a chat room or a chat site or message boards and all of that. But callers or texters have said that TVO is a common designation for Talia on those sites. So thank you for that. 
And I suppose if I would have it thought about sense. it a while, if somebody would have said, okay, you got, think about it hard now for 10 seconds. She is from Pasco. TVO has heard her. I would have put the, oh, TVO. Oh, uh, Tri-Cities, to live on all of. Yeah. But in the context of reading Bob Key's text, thick-headed as I am, it took me a while. So Phil in Lebanon writes in to say that you can, uh, you can find her on YouTube, but her name is Kinsley Murray. Thank you. That's what we were calling. You tried to call Ron Callen. K-I-N-S-L-E-Y. Kinsley Murray, and she's from Pasco. And it's, well, he says Murray with an E-R-R-E-Y, but Kinsley Murray on YouTube. Good for her. I haven't seen it. I'm going to look it up with all this hype. Speaking of hype, mm, the Super Bowl halftime show looks like a pretty good lineup. What is it? Well, I mean, there's going to be a, a, a lineup, it sounds like, Classic rappers for the show next two weeks at SoFi. I have yet to see I've seen. Um, I've yet to see a promotion for it. Now, I'm not a. That's not a genre. When we start talking about Tom T. Hall or Eminem, I might lean towards <laughs> Tom T. Hall. But, but I did recognize the names in the lineup for the Super yeah. Bowl halftime show, and even my my younger people around me watching the games yesterday. Ooh, they were all saying, ooh, that looks good. Oh, that'll be good. That'll be a great halftime show. That kind of <laughs> our, our kids, yeah. I, I get yes. that. I get that. Mid-20s. For you and me. They usually go with uh, old stuff. They so are. I guess it, it's it, old it's rappers. It's older stuff. I mean, yeah. Eminem is how they kind of began the... So Eminem's part Eminem's of it? Eminem's part of it. Uh, th- there were several other names. and Snoop I don't Dogg? Even, yes, he was second in their in their promotional <laughs> list. It started with Eminem, went to Snoop Dogg. Drake. Dr. Dre was one Drake. of them. There were a couple of others whose names that don't as readily come to mind, but it looks like a, a, a pretty big show at SoFi in two weeks. Well, now, good, good. The SoFi announcer, I think Dave did the PA announcer. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, you could hear him on TV. Just. Yeah. I think I told you that when we were at the L.A. Bowl, the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Yeah, Bowl. Yeah, yeah. That it was overwhelming. And at the end, Jim and I were both, and I said it's one of the few times, one of the few, maybe the only time, I finished the game with a headache from the din of not only the the loud voice throughout the deal, but just the constant blaring of music through the building. I had a headache at the end of that broadcast. Do you think that will be reversed? No. I don't think there's any putting that back in. No, I think that's just sort of the almost any venue that that I attend, even the other night, Saturday night, Matthew yeah. Knight Arena for the 359. Yeah. I'm kind of sitting there preparing, getting charts put down, things taped up, little notes assembled, and it was kind of nice and quiet. I heard the bouncing of basketballs yeah. and people warming up and yeah. Conversations with people you're there coming early by enough. early enough before the show starts, so to speak. Yeah. Right, right. In the midst of all of that, then just suddenly on comes the show. And with a disc jockey there on site. A and disc jockey? Yeah. And it was just flat out loud. And so people, you know, with two or three feet away, you're having to talk like this. Yeah. And there's no people in the stands yet. This happens kind of like an hour before tip. Fans are just now beginning to come in or whatever. 
No, we're not. There's no going back. I mean, that, that's not going to be. I don't think there's going to be a return so? to quiet organ music during timeouts. No, I don't. Well, maybe not that drastic, but maybe Tony not, just turning it down a yeah, little. Telling SoFi back off a little. <laughs> I don't know. John. When you get the network guys complaining about, did it, they? That's what Glenn said. I know. Glenn said even the the announcers, uh, but I, I didn't. Hear I was it. watching the game, and I said at the early at the outset of the broadcast that I'm I'm not so sure I like it anymore because just watching it on TV. There's an echo. It's like a giant echo chamber. Instead of a real football experience, you're just in this giant echo chamber. <laughs> now, I, I did love being at the game and all the other sure, experience, sure. the Rams and the Jaguars, about four weeks ago. But I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of constant noise like that. Dave wrote yesterday at 3.05 p.m., texted you and me and said, the SoFi PA announcer is already annoying, and kickoff <laughs> is 30 minutes away. Yeah, and that's, that's on funny. TV. That's, t- that's amazing. That is amazing. By the way, there's a question, which we could do a whole show on with the likes of uh, Kip Carlson and other historians, about did anybody ever use that press box at the very, 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 very top of Gill Coliseum? And Doug Blair, I think, said that many decades ago, Daryl used it, and then they quickly moved him down to the floor. But that press box up there is now just used for storage. <laughs> and I've wondered been, about the 23 that. years you and I yeah. have been here, I've never even seen a human being anywhere near it. Kip, Kip, we need your help on that, too. That's a good question. I've wondered about that press box, yeah. and I imagine games... Maybe early in the day. But it would be so high up So there. high, but maybe that was the idea. We're going to give the bird's eye view to the people broadcasting games. Kip, do you know if that press box at the top of Gill, on the opposite side of the benches, was ever used? It must have been. It was built for was some built purpose. For it. it had to have been used. When was it built? Now, 48? I, yeah, I think it was... Uh, I don't know when that part of the press box uh, opened. Somebody here calling on the Downward Dog phone line might know. I do believe that I've seen it used. I've seen human beings in there taping practices and games, doing videography work from up there I've never in, the seen mo- in the modern era. Yeah, even that I haven't seen. That's how I've even completely forgotten about it. Kip's going to answer okay, the question. Okay, good, good. For many years, uh, Kip texted us saying Daryl broadcast from a spot over the balcony midcourt tunnel at Gill. I remember that balcony and, midcourt tunnel. Yeah, I remember. I oh, remember like that on the spot. platform above. Okay. Yeah, that's a good spot. I don't he, remember him being up. Yeah, there. Yeah, I do, and I've I've even sat up there before. But I remember seeing Daryl up there. They have cameras there now. That's where you were for Portland Beavers baseball. And he does say, and long live Jerry Jeff Walker. Another, Never heard of him. Another of the classic songwriters, Jerry Jeff's train songs, Newberry's pain Kip. song, Blue Eyes Client. Good stuff, Waylon, Willie, and the boys. It's different now. It's different, isn't it, Kip? Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, Kip. <laughs> hey, uh, good Monday morning. Thank you. I don't, I'm guessing that that press box, if it was used, it probably wasn't beyond the early 70s. I don't. Okay. I, I started going to games there in about '74, and I don't remember seeing anybody up there. But I, my seven-year-old mind's eye from a few years before that thinks that maybe when K, what was it, KVDO in Salem, used to do tape delays of games. I think, hmm. and hmm. shoot, maybe maybe Ron knows about that. But I think they might have had cameras up there because it seems like when I was a kid watching those, it was kind of that angle. Yeah, it was way way above the floor. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, but 
and I don't think Daryl was ever up there. The the spot where he was upstairs was that yeah, the platform over the tunnel on what used to be the reserved side. Right, right. Hmm. Hey, and uh, Glenny has just texted us, and he says that Bob Blackburn did broadcast from the box, and I won't doubt Glenn, who you know I, I think he he predates your trips into to Gill, and I know. My oh, first yeah. trip into Gill was the 74-75 season, and I didn't see anybody up there. So, so yeah, I think Bob may have indeed worked from the box as it was designed to probably be used as a, as a classic press box back in, in the early days of Gill Coliseum. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, once, once they had it built, they probably at least started off putting people up there because that's what it was intended for, and then eventually right. they may have just figured out that wasn't the best place to be for basketball. Kip, yeah. another question for you. Did you know, There was a run, and you probably remember this, in the early to mid-'70s at least, that KEZI and Eugene would oh, tape yeah. delay or would broadcast Oregon games and play them back at 11 or 11.30 at night. Now, did, mm-hmm. did Oregon State have a similar mechanism for a while with the Salem station that you're talking about? This might have been a few years earlier. I don't know how long it would have lasted. But, yeah, I can remember, you know, a few times, you know, when you snuck, <laughs> snuck out of bed past bedtime mm-hmm. when it was late enough when you were a kid, and they had some of those replays on late at night. Of Beaver games. So the Beavers and, had something like that yeah, going for a while, too, but not in the Eugene market, I don't think. Not that I know of. Yeah. I don't know that anybody down there did. And I think, didn't Ron work at KVDO? Ron yes. Allen? Yeah, he did. He's worked everywhere. And we, the next time we talk to Ron, we'll ask him about that. <laughs> yeah, he may have an idea. Yeah, he might have done the games. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Kip, great to hear Thanks, from you. Kip. Thanks for the Jerry Jeff Walker reference. Never heard of him. <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't know. I got to go back and give it a try again. We didn't hear anybody, but again, this is because of the generation involved. No one sent a text on the University Honda text line taking up for the current sound and the current genre, oh, but we're too we're old. <laughs> I just, it, there must be something to it. It's popular. It's hot, right? It sells well. <laughs> I don't know. I, what I want to know is somebody, you know, the whole, they said, somebody said, well, there's four people that write all the songs for all the artists now. They kind of churn them out according to a formula. Now, who, how they came up with that, I'd be interested in finding out. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. KEJO Corvallis. And translator. K229DI Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.